थ्री टू वन हेलो गाइस वेलकम बैक टू मोबाइल हार्ट रेडियो पॉडकास्ट आई एम योर होस्ट ओनी एंड टुडे वी हैव मोस्ट ऑफ आर मोस्ट ऑफ आर फैमिल लॉरीज सो यू कैन बी हियर टुनाइट बट आई हैव टू आई डू हैव प्रतीक एंड अनिर एंड नल स्पेशल गेस्ट अगेन फ्रॉम द यू के uh sal an ex bangalore spurs member actually still bangalore spurs member is just that he's not bangalore anymore uh so hey sal uh pratik anirvan welcome to the podcast i mean welcome back what's going on how how are you guys doing sal how's going yeah i uh, hi guys uh hi i only uh, i'm doing well and uh, thank you for allowing me to participate in the podcast uh, really really pleased to be here on this on on this occasion but uh, more to the point how are you doing i heard you were in hospital recently yeah so i was sick last week that's why we, we couldn't get the episode on friday like i uh, like i always want to do so uh, on thursday i had like fever the whole week and uh, on thursday i went to the hospital and the doctor was like it's better that you get admitted um because it might be typhoid or something but like uh, yeah so i stayed there for a day and uh, and and night uh you know just getting injection after injection like non stop it was like a it was just never ending and you know when you're sleeping also they'll wake you up and they'll give you injections just to like <laughs> it's it's fun <laughs> so, but yeah uh but yeah i'm fine uh, i left yesterday and uh, yeah i'm at home right now uh chill like we're all good we're all good um well, uh, i'm glad to hear that i was uh, for for a second i thought it was a corona coronavirus Oh uh, yeah I, actually i thought it was coronavirus that's why i went to the hospital the first place <laughs> good to good to hear that good to hear that only uh glad glad that you are back uh yeah. you know uh so so while you were getting uh, like a pin cushion at hospital with all those injections i think lead motive of today's uh, white heart radio is about how many of us are feeling like pin cushions with multiple injections we are subjected <laughs> to uh by our wonderful performances so yeah sure we we will catch up along on those yeah, yeah uh, we have some uh, like um we have some, uh, some some very interesting performances to talk about so um anyway but uh, but for before we get started i just wanted to ask uh, sal so since he's the first since the first time you're on the just uh, why don't you tell us uh, your spurs story and how you got supporting spurs and like uh, how it's been so far uh sure i mean, it, i <laughs> i'll try and keep it short um because i know this time we're going to try and uh, restrict it to an hour but let's see how it goes um my background uh story for spurs uh goes back to the 1978 world cup I know this is long before you guys were even uh, a twinkle in your parents' eyes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, or even before your parents even met, in yeah. some cases. Um, but yeah, after the Argentina World Cup, um, we <clears throat> Spurs signed Ozzy and Ricky Villa, Ozzy Ardiles and Ricky Villa, and they were the first two proper overseas players, so the first uh, of the. overseas uh, brigade to start the trend and around that time i was at school and most of the most of my fellow students were either supporting liverpool or man united in fact i think your guest last week bav uh, alluded to that uh liverpool were the dominant side at that point uh much like 
United over the last 20 years. Um, so it wasn't surprising that you know, most people followed either uh, Liverpool or, funny enough, United, who were the, you know, the, the Busby Babes era. <clears throat> um, but that piqued my interest. And it wasn't about another year or so later when um, I used to play football for my school team. And my PE teacher um, had a relationship, uh, some kind of a tie-up with the Spurs coaching staff. And he managed to, uh, to to arrange it with Spurs so that some of the um, sort of reserve players or the fringe players could come along and coach us. And one such player was a player called Tony Galvin. And he would come once a week and coach the school team. And it was at that point that I thought, well, you know what, this is, here's a local club, which is just up the road from me. Um, he's this is a, they're taking the time to send a player over. And kind of got to know him a little bit and he was this player was sort of helping me develop as a player myself so I thought I'd learn more about the club and uh, as they say the rest is history I, was, I just fell in love with the club started going to some of the matches uh, the following year onwards and uh, and this is you know back in the late 70s early 80s where this the, the old White Hart Lane didn't have or we still had standing um, not, not the seating in, in some of the stands um, so the atmosphere was cracking and just fell in love with uh, going to Spurs and, and following this, the, the Spurs story from there on. So my my association started back then. And if I can just bring up fast forward to just literally a couple of months ago, I was um, attending the North London Derby um, at the new stadium. I know you're probably thinking, hang on a second, we haven't played Arsenal at the new stadium. We actually have. It was a ladies game. Right. Spurs, la Spurs ladies versus the Arsenal ladies. Right. And for the ladies' game, we set a new world record. It was thirty-three thousand uh, spectators. Oh, which wow. is a, yeah, which is a new world record for a well, I say world record, new Premier the WSL record for a from a, a women's game. And I happened to look over, and just the next section over, Tony Galvin was sitting there, and wow. and it was one of those moments where I just I had to I had to go over and, and just speak to him so i went over chatted with him i explained the whole story i said tony I, you, you probably don't know who i am you don't remember me but you know we met when, when i was at school and i started telling him the story he says which school remind me so i gave him the school name in, in, in enfield he says oh you mean john ruin's team and i was completely <laughs> blown away he remembered my my pe teacher's name from all those years ago and i said oh my god yes yeah. so he, he, he didn't remember me he didn't see out as a player but the fact of the matter is he remembered coming to my school and running those coaching sessions and i told him that you know tony this is this is uh completely I, i'm actually shaking at the moment because I, I started to get quite emotional it took me back to my school days and school days are not my favorite time growing up because it was i really didn't enjoy going to school it was a, it was a tough time growing up here in in, in england uh in the late 70s 80s and so on for various reasons so i won't go into that now but one thing that got me through school and one thing that sort of got me out of bed every day and got me to go to school was knowing that i would be playing football later on in the day or getting coached by tony galvin so i told him that and and you know he, he gave me a hug and he got quite emotional as well and i said you know i owe you a lot that i the fact that i'm still playing football now is largely thanks down thanks to you 
the, the fact that you got me through a very difficult period um, during the school days and so on is largely down to you. And to some extent, I am who I am now because of your help getting through that difficult period. So, my God, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it now. <laughs> you should have warned me about this, Udi. <laughs> what a lovely story. What a lovely story, Sal. Yeah. Wow. It's a beautiful story. I mean, shows how small things can, you know, influence in big way. Yeah, man. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, so, uh, let's uh, we let us talk about Tottenham's unbeaten runner four games. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. so uh, um, I think you know you had uh, seen the Watford game, right? So, um. Let's talk about that for a minute. We'll just talk about because there is a lot to cover today. Um, let's just talk about the match in general. Uh, Anir, Anir, I thought I don't remember anything from that match except for the uh, Gazaniga penalty save, which uh, was not such a, it was a poor penalty and Gazaniga saved it. Good, good, good on him. So, uh, other than that, do you remember anything significant that happened in that match? No. I don't remember anything that happened in the match. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep it very brief. I think uh, the, uh, the penalty save was a good one by Gazaniga. Uh, the right. giveaway of the penalty was a, was a very bad one. Right. And uh, the fact that Watford and, and later Norwich, I mean, these are teams at the bottom of the league. Normally, uh, during the last five years, I won't say forever, but at least in the last five years or six years, right. uh, we would be expected to clear them away. Right. But uh, we struggled like Billy O. And, uh, and, and I think we were, we were lucky to actually have it 0-0. I do remember in the previous pod- podcast, uh, I had called out that I had a bad feeling about the yeah. Watford match that I yeah, thought yeah, yeah. that we may well lose. I'm very glad to be proven wrong, uh, but I I don't think I was that far wrong either. I think we were very lucky to uh, get away with a goalless draw. Uh, The fact that it was the first goalless draw in some 93 matches or something says something about us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is is something... It actually brings up an interesting point. You know, 93 matches, that is in 2013. So that is basically the entire Pochettino era. There has not been one goalless draw. So make of that what you will. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure about that. But, but I, I, yeah. I can say that, that uh, what it brings home to the fact is that from the 2015-18 era, uh, when the team was really rising with young talent and all of that, we have been coming down. There is a painful rebuild out here that we can't avoid. Uh, we can't play the way we were used to playing under Pochettino. We just don't have the players or the fitness, the energy levels uh, or the skills, to be very honest, to do that. So we'll have to learn to play in a, in a different way. Uh, the positive, of course, was that we didn't concede a goal because we have been leaking goals like nobody's business. Yeah. So I think that was the was the was the big positive uh, from the from the entire match. True. More about uh, Lo Celso and Aurier, about whom I have got views, but I'll I'll do yeah. that with reference to a couple of other matches. But let me turn it over to uh, to to maybe Pratik for some thoughts. Pratik of yours. 
<laughs> I thought Watford game independent, like in between only some. I don't know why. Ah, okay, I was busy. I started seeing from the thirtieth or thirty-fifth minute. I don't know. And I saw the penalty save. That was a very good save. I've, I'm, I'm glad we didn't concede from that. It was, and it was weird. It was a weird game. I mean, no clear-cut chances. Very scrappy. And I had a feeling too that we will lose, but I'm glad we didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Mukund and I and uh, Bab predicted that we will win, and you guys predicted we lose, and we do. So that is just the sweet spot. Uh, Sal, uh, which was the last game? Did you go for? Did you watch this match? Did you? Which is the last game you went uh, to the stadium for? Uh, the last game just at the stadium was uh, it was Chelsea. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, disappointing, disappointing. Very bad. Yeah, I mean, just think, had we won that game, we would have been in fourth place on that yep. day. And mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> I think I read in the group earlier today, um, I know it's going off point at the moment, but uh, somebody mentioned that, you know, we've got Chelsea coming up, and if we beat them, we could be potentially in fourth place. Yeah, we've got um, well, well, it, yeah, it, it, it is actually quite feasible, because if you look at Chelsea's next two games, they've got Leicester and United which feasibly could end up in draws. Well, I hope they do, uh, because we don't want either of them getting three points. Um, either Leicester or United. Well, actually, if Leicester, they, they're probably going to be finishing above us anyway, but certainly don't want United getting three points. But I'd be happy with a draw there and happy with the Leicester-Chelsea game being a draw. And then after those two games, Chelsea play us. And if we can beat them, then we could potentially overtake them, assuming we win our other two games uh, in between. But... Just to finish off on the Watford game, um, much like Anirvan, I, I had reservations going into that game, uh, not because of the way how poorly we'd been playing or, or, or even the slight um, showing of some resurgence um, in, 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 uh, in our attacking play, but I was more concerned about <clears throat> Watford um, being on this uh, good form or good run of form um, over the Christmas period, they, along with Southampton, were, I think, one of the two or three teams, uh, obviously Liverpool as well, who had um, secured, I think, 12 out of 15 points, available points. So coming off a good run, I'm not quite sure what Nigel Pearson has done uh, since he took over, but he's really galvanised that team and got those players playing again. So I was expecting a, uh, a tough match. Um but on the day itself, I remember the match. I mean, I don't remember it vividly, and, and you're right, there weren't many standout moments. But I felt that the, the Watford that we'd been seeing over Christmas didn't turn up. And um, it, the, the game was there for, for the taking, had we taken uh, the few chances that we did have. Uh, one chance that stands out for me is the one where Son ran through yeah. the middle. Yeah, Deli yeah. Ali was offside, so he left the ball. He was actually walking back to the centre spot. But Son ran through the middle and he kind of shot over the bar, but had he been a bit more composed, he could probably have taken another touch and uh, scored. There was probably another chance somewhere else. And then we had that chance literally at the death where the ball <laughs> didn't quite cross the, the, the line. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, how could I forget that? Oh, yeah. we could have. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were... Yeah, the ball yeah, was like a yeah. millimeter on the line. <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and that. That made a, a bit of a legend out of the uh, the guy who played for Watford. He made his debut, came on as sub 
and that was his first touch oh, of English football. Yeah. He cleared the ball off the line. <laughs> that instant, was instant hero weird. worship. <laughs> so those were the standout moments, and obviously the penalty save. And, and I agree, it was a poor penalty to give away. Um, but then again, I think he, uh, Vertonghen was falling down. He could have kept his hand a little bit lower, but it was um, the ball was travelling at speed. But you could, to be fair, had it been at the other end, you know, I would have expected a penalty for us. So can't really argue. It is what it is. And overall, even though we had um, more of the game, uh, I guess a draw was a fair result. And the fact that we kept a clean sheet is is uh, bodes well for the you know going forward. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing. I mean, yeah. Pratik, is there anything you want to add to about this match? Oh yes, I remembered the goal line clearance, and that was that was very uh, painful. I mean, I thought we had scored, but uh, I mean, we were, we were like <laughs> millimeters. I mean, come on. Yeah, but uh, I could you could see Mourinho's defensive training getting into the team. You know, it was like it was good to see at least that instead of leaking two two goals, they were leaking either one or zero. <laughs> so it's good, good, good things there. We kept a clean sheet, right? Huh? That yeah, was a clean sheet. This is the first clean sheet. I'll tell you from when. One year. My first clean sheet in oh, against Burnley on 7th December we played. That was the previous clean sheet we kept. We won 5-0. Okay. No, no. Away clean sheet, I meant. Away oh, clean sheet? No. It's cool. after a year or something. It's been a long yeah. time. Yeah, it's been over a year. One thing that did worry me in the game was... Um, the left side we had Tanganga playing, but he was outplayed for most of yeah. the match. He struggled yeah. in that game. I and, mean that's sad. It's Mela Sar. Uh yeah. So yeah, it was him. Yeah. He he the Ismail uh, Sar for Watford has been turning out to be a pretty good signing. And he gave Tanganga a torrid time. But you know what? Tanganga, as a youngster, he needs these games, games like these, because he needs to be exposed. He's got to learn. And, and, and that, all I can think is that it's it's a learning experience, and he would have learned a lot from that. And to be fair to uh, his teammates, I think they kind of helped him out in that on the left side. Even I think Mourinho, um, with the substitutions later on, uh, did strengthen that area. But I am <clears throat> credit to Watford because they spotted that as a weakness, and they did. They kept hammering the left side and most of the crosses were coming in from there so i think the were... other other one that i can i can think of is that the very fact that that tanganga was was used on the on the left hand side because he's obviously a right footed guy yeah and and uh, you know a right center back is his natural position uh, the uh, the point is that it showed how vulnerable we are with uh, uh, with Jan Vertonghen uh, uh, being perceptibly slower these days, uh, we probably felt, or Moreno probably felt, that uh, uh, Jan just could not cope with uh, with Sar and and Tanganga himself had a very torrid time. I think if Jan was there, he would have been run completely ragged, and it could have been even worse. But but the fact that we are having to protect Jan, who is himself a make makeshift left back. Uh, it just shows how much injury and the lack of uh, the right uh, cover players are having for us 
uh, in terms of uh, really making us vulnerable at different critical positions. That's something that you know I, I think we'll, we'll come back to as a theme, but I think that's really what's been hitting us a lot this entire season. Yeah. Yes. We are uh, that Davies injury. I think Mourinho will do a major surgery on defense soon, either during the season or in somewhat window or something. That's we have he have he has to fix it. I mean that's a strong point, the defense. And we're yeah. fucked there. I think uh, we're just um, so Davies is injured, right? I think Davies and Sessignon give us a good cover of left back yes. at uh, right left center back, I think is where we're short. Right center back, we have Aldebarild and uh, Sanchez and Dan Ganga. And the right back is a real problem. We don't have anybody. So uh, we should um, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Aurier had. Aurier... We'll talk about the players after a while. But I just wanted. To... That yeah. is the, um, the Watford game. Uh, the next game was the Norwich game where I think Max Aarons earned himself a move to Tottenham. By just absolutely schooling um, uh, Sessignon on, on on his wing, I think both the matches that they played, Max Aaron's just outclassed that guy. In uh, and they're both the same age, which was uh, surprising. I thought Sessignon would give him more of competition, but he looks like a confidence player. You know, like uh, if he's if he's gonna play, he needs to be feeling confident, and uh, and Aaron's obviously schooled him again. So, um, that match, we won 2-1. And uh, Pratik, you had seen this game, right? Yes, I saw the whole match. It was a match, but then, yeah. So, uh, I just wanted to ask you, like... Um, uh, so, okay, my what I thought of the game was that our two worst players on the pitch won us the match. Uh, Ali had a, a horrible game. Sun had another yeah. horrible game. Uh, but they ended up scoring and uh, we won the match. And um, yeah, uh, we considered another penalty because again, Aaron's was just too good for uh, Cecilio. So uh, I just wanted to know what you thought of the match and um, uh, especially Cecilio's performance. Cecilio uh, was bad. I mean, he was outplayed, Aaron's bypassed him many times. And I mean, there was not much attacking contribution from him either. But I feel that is down to him being a left winger. Like his whole one last year in Fulham was at the wings. He scored goals. He assisted even in championship. That's two years, sorry, yeah, in the championship as well as the Premier League. So I feel he has kind of lost his defensive duties, forgotten the defensive structure and all that. So probably that is hampering him. I would like to see him more as a left winger going forward. And uh, with the match, I felt yeah, Ali was bad. Son was okay, but Ali was terrible. He tried. He tried. He tries to complicate things, even when they're not needed. So that's what was bad. But luckily, we drew, we generally played well because of Lo Celso in the middle. He moved the ball yeah. very well, and he was architect for both the goals. Yeah. yeah. The, actually, the second goal's reverse pass was crazy. I mean, <laughs> I didn't expect it. And I yeah. I think even after today's match and previous matches, I would I feel. No, Celso's injury got Pochettino sacked because if he was not absent for two months, he would have at least drawn or won a few of the lost matches. So his injury cost Pochettino big time. I think Pochettino identified him as a Dembele replacement, and probably 
he couldn't he couldn't yeah. play because of the bloody injury at i think with argentina yeah the thigh injury yeah that too he got he picked terrible. that up in like the last minute of the match or something like that yeah terrible luck so i think that's what what yeah. cost it for you know he looks full fit now and he's just all over the place anirvan can you tell can you can you tell me what you thought about los celso's performance in the match okay against there's Norwich. a huge there's a huge bandwagon that is building up uh you know casting los celso as the true replacement for uh musa dembele i bet to differ i think they are okay. very different very different players uh loselso is different from dembele he's also different from eriksen uh though there are uh, commonalities that he has has with both uh loselso is fundamentally very good going on the attack but uh in the match against norwich he actually played a, a deeper role that was how he was how he was uh, positioned now what he has in common with dembele is an ability to uh carry the ball and to move up uh, by dribbling past uh but but the styles in which they do it are i think very different and uh, and and musa was very good at carrying the ball and 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 you know then giving it to the attackers uh for the final pass i mean he wouldn't give so many final passes on his own uh loselso is is more of an attacking midfielder who can give final passes and who also in at least spain used to uh, used to get himself into a, into scoring positions and he scored a lot of goals as well so uh, so there's that uh, he's better at it than eriksen i think uh, once he reaches his full uh, full pomp but uh, but but what eriksen has and he's better at it than loselso is clearly the vision thing and the passing thing loselso is good but he's probably not as good as eriksen now all that makes loselso a very important player for us uh, worth 50 million i don't know maybe in today's inflated market uh, that's good he's certainly the best player for us right now and uh, and and will be very important for us uh, so 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 yes uh, i mean uh, pratik talked about the reverse pass which is a little bit of genius uh, and again in today's match we saw uh, saw uh, flashes of loselso and i'm sure we'll talk more about it later but uh, he's different from eriksen and he's different from musa dembele that's the point and i believe he'll play best in an attacking attacking role i believe he is defensively weak um, lots of times i've seen him lose the ball give it away uh the number of times people are dribbling past him is not funny so i believe that you know we can't play him in a deeper role the way a modric could for instance or or musa dembele did and we will ultimately have to find a very good uh, central defensive midfielder uh, loselso is not the answer to that and i think we'll be mistaken uh, if we try it uh either we have to switch to a 433 kind of formation which is a very different way of playing or in a 4231 loselso is a very good attacking midfielder and and may well help us not miss uh eriksen so much uh but but i think uh i i don't think that he's a musa dembele replacement 
Yeah, I think we signed uh, Ndombele as the Moussa Dembele replacement and this guy to complement uh, Ndombele and where the defensive midfielder is going to play be- behind both of them. There is another there's another attribute to his game. Uh, Giovanni Lacelso talking about <clears throat> right. and that is his tenacity. He right. um t- uh, Aniron just touched on his um uh, the, the lack of defensive duties. Um, I think he's, you're right, if that's not his natural position. But given that he's been put into that position by Mourinho and asked to do a job, he's doing, a, he's doing that job, job very well. Once a, an attacking player goes past him, he tracks that player back and tries to win the ball back and quite often does. You know, he gets a foot in or, or just gets the ball out of their, their feet and, and turns a, an attack into a, a counter-attack. Um, and I like to I like to see more of that from some of the other players, uh, and in particular Deli Ali, for example. I mean, I don't know why going just going back to the Watford game when Deli Ali was substituted, he threw a strop when he got back on the bench. He was clearly the, the worst player on the pitch. Well, not not the, the worst, but what I mean is he just wasn't performing up to his normal standards. So for me, he was the obvious choice to be substituted. And again, when he was subbed um, during the Norwich game, who threw a strop. So. Deli Ali's got to he's got to up his game a bit more, and I think Giovanni Lo Celso is maybe it's because he's relatively new to the club. Maybe he still feels that he's still got to you know stamp his authority or show to the fans what he has, show to the to the manager, show to his teammates uh, what game he has. Perhaps that's why he's he's getting stuck into tackles. I mean, just look at today's game, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it later. But he was fouled so many times, but he sure. didn't he didn't hesitate to throw his body in there take some you know, hefty tackles but he broke up the play and yes he may not have the vision of Ericsson but I think that's that may be because he hasn't played with his teammates enough yet it's still early days give him that Ericsson's been playing with them for six years he knows his teammates he knows the movements that the teammates are going to make who's going to make a run sometimes you don't even have to look up you know that Son's going to be down this side or you know, Harry Kane's going to reach so you just play the ball blindly um, I think give them give him a bit of time, and I think Lucelso has got a little bit more to give. And I'm very encouraged by what I'm seeing so far over the last two games. Uh, he, he he completely bossed the uh, the Norwich game, and today again he was a standout player for me. So uh, I'm I'm reasonably confident and, and pleased that uh, Lucelso is is back up to back up and running. And I agree with Pratik. Um, it's a, it's always you know hindsight is a wonderful thing, and uh, I would love to. have Love to have had Giovanni Lacelso fully fit Lacelso when Poch was still around. Uh, who knows where we would be? When when Poch was sacked, we were obviously it was after a run of bad games. But even if we'd won two of those pre, uh, games prior to uh, to Poch going, the story would have been very different. But anyway, let's not dwell on what's happened. Um, let's look to the future, and the um, future looks bright uh, as far as Lacelso is concerned. Yeah, yeah. Lo is just a standout player. But, uh, you know, one thing I actually do want to talk about in uh, both these games is um, our lack of an attacking plan. So, uh, if you notice, like, defensively, we look very organized. You know what we're doing. Everybody knows their jobs. But then once we go in front, like, once uh, Deliari or someone has a ball in the D-box of the opposition, we look like we don't know what to do to create a chance so i don't know if anybody else saw this or if you have to chip in on, some, on this like did you guys see something like that 
because i i don't think we have any kind of attacking plan um anirvan what do you think yeah i think that is correct i mean i mean at a, at a, fundamentally if you look at how we how we used to play uh we had our full backs kind of uh, overlapping fast uh, one of poch's problem was that that stopped uh because of the degradation of our full back strength over time uh while while uh, folks like son used to cut inside and and then again yeah. pass it out to the to the full back the other way the full backs were into the game were with a long ball coming through kane would hold it up and then kind of sweep it to the flanks and the and the full back will overlap from behind and move in and then cross uh that's how we used to attack and then we had those long diagonal balls that used to go uh when we used to switch the flanks so so we used to attack that way but finally you know whether it was eriksen finding a pass through or a long ball coming in from the back or uh, a cross coming in from the from the full back in all those cases it it was really finally finding the center forward the target man which was harry kane and at his best uh, you know you had very few strikers who could finish better than him so he was the focal point of all the attack the other thing that kane would do is that he would uh, kind of fall back and and pull the defense out of line and that would allow people like son and ali and mora to kind of Uh, run behind the line and 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 get clean through to goal so that was the other way we used to attack right. so harry kane in in some ways uh, we think of him as a striker who is just scoring inside the box but i think all of us spurs fans at least know that how much more he is than just that i think morino has has uh, alluded to the same as well so ha- not having harry kane is is a huge huge thing even if we had a second striker we would have been missing him because a conventional striker would only do some things uh it's it's not easy to you know in a team like tottenham uh with a harry kane in it uh kane not there it's never going to be easy and when i say kane not there it means not just the injury but also whether he is fit enough uh to be able to get into those positions make those movements as sharply as he as he used to in his uh, uh at his best uh and and he has not been at his best uh, for some time uh which was made worse by the fact that eriksen went off the boil and uh the passes were not coming through the same as before so the way we attacked we don't have the fundamental pieces in place for that and unless and until we are able to get a good striker in place i don't think there is a real strategy that we have uh i mean son would try his best mora would try his best uh and and they they get somewhere but it's all disjointed and and you know when spain won the world cup in south africa without a real striker uh i mean they didn't score too many goals overall team quality got them through so it's a bit like that we don't have a real striker we don't have a focal point as the end uh, objective of all our attacks and 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 so it's not surprising that we don't have a, a terrific plan uh, you know to score goals if you look at the goals that we have been scoring uh, those have been like individual pieces of brilliance that's kind of uh, you know getting those 
getting those goals in. I like that reverse pass that set this goal off uh, uh, and, and, and things like that. And, and occasionally a Son and, or an Ali are, are kind of getting the goals in. But at the end of the day, they will not get the goals in, in that level of consistency. So bang on, we don't have a great plan going forward. And we will not till we get a focal point for our, for our attack in place. Oni? Right, right, right. I know what you mean. It's just, uh, you know, like um, the last season also, we were we had an attacking plan even without Harry Kane, right? Harry Kane was out for three months last season, and we used to play with Son, Lucas, Erickson, and uh, Ali up front as the front four. But we would they actually scored more goals though without Harry Kane than when Harry Kane was there. So even at that time, we still had some way of like we would create chances. Now I I expected Mourinho to like see that's what I think uh, like from what I saw in the Norwich game this is what like uh, I my inference is like Mourinho has taught them how to defend properly but and the attacking half of the pitch Mourinho has told them you guys do whatever you want it's a bit like uh, Redknapp all over again you know like uh, you guys go run forward see what happens even um uh like uh, today's game. Game, right, the, they were uh, all the chances we yeah we could have we should have won the game, but all the chances we created were from counter attacks, and uh, there's no like you know no, uh, our one set way of creating chances when we have possession is passing the ball to Aurier and putting in a cross. So um, I don't know if like um, I think I think we need a pe- a other. Like ways of creating chances, you know the way like like Guardiola has his cutbacks, and um, Klopp uses um, his fullbacks crossing in, and then uh, nonsense happening inside the box for them to score. So, but like those fullbacks put in amazing crosses into the ball, uh, into the box, so it makes it very easy for them to score. Score off those chances. They create chances uh, because of the way they play. These don't seem to have. Uh, a way to create chances outside from Aurier putting in a ball. So, um, I don't know, Sal, uh, do you think that uh, is that is something Mourinho will, should be working on or uh, is it fine this for, because it, this is Mourinho's system and he's like won Champions Leagues and stuff doing this? Well, I think it's a bit unfair to, to pinpoint it on or to pin it on Mourinho uh, solely. I think the players themselves have to take a good look at themselves. Um, okay. What I have noticed, um, certainly this season, and maybe towards the tail end of last season, is um, I don't know how to put this, but you know, I think some of our players need to go back to basics. And perhaps Mourinho, this is a good time for Mourinho to, uh, in the training sessions, get back to just understanding the basics. And what I'm re- alluding to is, I mean, only you said you were playing midweek, and I'm sure some of our, a lot of our listeners who actually play football. Right. will understand and agree that it's not i mean obviously it's important to uh you know what you do on on the ball is very important but it's equally important the off the ball uh movement and and i'm not seeing that happen because what if if, if Mourinho has indeed told the players as far as attacking is concerned you do what you want then they've completely lost the, um lost the basics what i mean by that is I don't see the off-ball movement. I don't see people making angles. I see a lot of passes being made. As soon as a ball is passed, they think, right, I've done my job and that's it. What I've always been taught to do is you 
play the ball off to your player, to your partner, and then you create an angle for him to receive it back. At least create those angles. And if it, I know it sounds very simplistic. If you make those little triangles, you can move the ball up. But there have been so many occasions in the Norwich game, uh, even in a couple of uh, instances today, we're, we're making the, the initial pass, even regardless if it's short. Quite often, we're just turning around and passing it back. And I know we've heard on this podcast many times, you know, we're just passing it sideways, passing it back. The instinct isn't to, to take the ball and move forward. And partly the reason why we're going back or we have been passing sideways and back is because there is no forward option. It's because the person who's laid it off hasn't then gone on to just literally move a yard either side, create the angle, receive it back, and then just start a new triangle. That's one thing. Second thing is um, Harry Kane... Yes, when he is fit and on the pitch, I think this season, compared with previous seasons, he's been this and the, the tail end of last season, he's been playing a slightly different role, a much deeper role. So I agree that he he provides a lot more to us than just um, a focal being a focal point in a striker. He he's a very creative player. He's got a great vision, but he's he's also great off the ball. He'll make tracking runs. He'll he'll pull defenders out to the sides and create gaps, create channels for others to run into. But what I have noticed recently is that when we're on the attack, we're not using the full width. Um, we tend to kind of converge in the centre. And in doing so, we make the whole field very compact and very tight. We've got people like Son, who, I don't know, since he's come back after that Chelsea uh, booking or the sending off, he's become very selfish. Um, I need to see more passing from him. There's been a couple of decision-making needs to improve. He's been in situations where he could cross the ball or square the ball or lay it off. Um, but then the flip is also true against Norwich. Him and Mora towards the end. It's like, oh, no, you take it. No, yeah. you have it. No, you have it. No. <laughs> exactly. One of you just run in and shoot, right? <laughs> yeah. In a situation like that, yeah, somebody needs to take ownership and say, right, I'm right. going to take it. But um, overall, I think... It, it does come across like we don't have a game plan. So you're probably right, Uni, to, to, uh, sitting here in a, as a spectator and viewing these matches, you're thinking, come on, guys, you guys practice this in day in, day out. You guys are professional people. You you, uh, you, know, you practice taking corners. Uh, and I still can't understand why Ericsson can't beat the first man. Um, Aurier is crossing sometimes. Admittedly, in the last few games, he has been uh, reasonably good. He, and in fact, he had a good, he had a pretty good game today. He actually broke up some of the play. Uh, he didn't yeah. make any glip, uh, glaring mistakes. So credit where credit is due. Um, I don't know if just on a tangent there, some of you guys saw that clip that Spurs posted um, with Aurier Son and Gazaniga and um, Cecilia playing FIFA. FIFA. Yeah, I couldn't believe how crap. Aurier was, and I was thinking, FIFA. <laughs> yeah, I you're crap on the pitch. You're also from FIFA as well. <laughs> no, I have to watch no, that. Yeah, it's oh, it's man. a brilliant clip. It's uh, it's great to see that. But anyway, back to the point. Um, attacking wise, yes, I think we need to work defensively. Yes, we're getting better, but I think as far as attack and just general play. We just need to get back to basics. Ali needs to cut out all these little flicks and tricks that he does. If he just simply just gets back to basic, play the game, simplify it. No, no fancy stuff. He can just and then use that as a platform to get start building again. Um, he'll, you know, he'll get back to the way he was two, three seasons ago, two seasons back. So those are my observations. Um, Pratik, do you have anything to add on the Norwich game? 
no i mean i you guys have spoken most often and i agree with all of you i mean uh, especially this point of the red napper i mean see uh, what i feel is morino is doing is he's trying to sort out a defense while trying to let the attack do its job and like he's like okay score at least a goal and like let's hope we win like anything more than that is bonus i feel because if you look at it Uh, that's the way he's setting up teams. I mean, against Liverpool, we are we are purely playing on counter, purely. I mean, it's like we wait for the mistakes and we pounce. But against yeah. the other, we are like okay, creating a bit and trying to score also. So I think the stronger the teams, the more counter attacking we are becoming. And I I am actually, I, to be honest, I don't have any problems with it because that's what comes with Mourinho. I mean, with Pochettino, the philosophy was uh, play our way, dominate and. Let's like hope we win. In Mourinho's yes. case, like, uh, play my way and we win. I don't care if you dominate, yeah. if you if you like fall back, if you have zero position. I don't care. So yeah. I'm I'm accepted that like okay, it's fine. We play bad, but as long as we win, like we win. That's Mourinho's philosophy, and that's our philosophy too. For now, at least until we're Mourinho. So I'm like okay, cool. But I like it will. It sucks when we don't win, which has happened in the last few weeks. So. Let's see hey, what we haven't lost. That is what has happened in the last few weeks. <laughs> hey, four, come on, two games were against Boro, I think. <laughs> yeah. So basically, we played all the worst teams. We somehow skipped from them. <laughs> that is a scene. We played the nineteenth team, the twentieth team in Southampton, who lost nine zero this season. So oh. mm-hmm. that was the last three matches. And all which okay, okay. That was that was pre Nigel. Pearson taking over, right? Right, right. And, yeah. and he's the same. He's the same man who actually rescued Leicester from a totally disastrous situation and made sure that they didn't get relegated. And the next year, of course, they won. Yeah. So, so he has something in him to to rev teams up. I think it's uh, it, it wouldn't be uh, be be doing justice to say that hey, Leicester beat Southampton nine nil and. And you know, oh my God, we are losing to them, or uh, you know, Watford and Norwich are at the bottom, and we are doing zero right. zero and two one. I, I I think that's that's not fair. But on the Norwich game, I mean, I mean, just just two other two other observations that I had. One was that I actually agree with what uh, uh, Uni's starting point was that uh, Ali and Son actually played pretty badly. and yet they were the ones who scored the goal ali even grabbed an assist deflected but you know that's what the big star players do they they don't do much throughout the game sometimes uh, they have those off days but they just have that little bit of edge or magic call it experience call it the x factor but whatever it is they play those big moments and 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 make sure that they get that vital goal or or uh, the the vital uh, you know uh, play in the game that's critical at the critical po- point and turn a game so i think it's the pedigree of theirs that that kind of goes through and then i'm just relating it back to what uh, what sal was talking about that maybe there are some basics that morino has to go and start getting them to look at but i think uh, like like for instance uh, making that extra effort to get into position so that the angle is there for the pass uh, very often we don't seem to have the forward to get the pass 
The other piece around congestion in the middle, that's also true, but that's because we don't have the wing play. I think there is a bit of two things happening over here. I think there is a need to get to some of our stars and, and say that, buddy, wake up, smell the coffee. You are no longer playing like a top four team. You are playing like a mid-tabler and, and you are getting beat or you're struggling against the bottom rankers. You, you need to scale up and, and, and a very tough message. But you can also give that tough message when you have alternatives that you will start, you'll start playing. And also, uh, when, you, when you have a few of the missing pieces in play, like not having a striker or not having good enough wing backs who will do that overlap and crossing, uh, the way uh, I think, Uni, you talked about Liverpool, or, or Pratik, you talked about Liverpool. I think, I think without those, I don't even know how Mourinho will, will manage it. I think we will see a nastier, more desperate and hungry Mourinho going after the team when he has a few more changes, but I don't think we will see it before the, uh, you know, before the, before the summer. Uh, yeah. So, so that's, that's really, you know, a summary of Norwich. I mean, I mean, we played badly. We were lucky, but we played the big moments well and our big players got a 2-1 victory for us. Right. Yeah. Uh, I know. They do, uh, just like, do you think this is like the worst Premier League season so far? If you see, right, Liverpool are the only team that have 67 points. Second is Man City with 51. You know? And uh, the difference between fifth place and uh, what, what do I say? 14th. 14th place is just four points. So it's like, and that too, we've gone through 24, 25 matches already this season. So is that like us? Is that is that to do with the overall quality of the Premier League just increasing? Like every team has become good, so points are more difficult to come by, or has it become every team has become bad, so points are like nobody's winning? What what's going on, Pratik? What do you think is going on? That's uh, what you said. Plus. Uh, Liverpool being very good because they have taken points from every club and there has been no redistribution of the points. Like if you right. if you take at least like three four wins out of them, they they are like pulled down and some of the clubs are pulled up. But they have kind of created a big gap and left all of us in the lurch. And we of course even the smaller clubs clubs have gotten quality now. Come on, Newcastle have got Ben Taleb and a player from uh, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, so I was going to talk about that during the transfer talk yeah. time. So, <laughs> I think the legend is coming good. back. I mean, he's back. He played also. Yeah, every club yeah. is being by good players. Right. So, so, yeah, it's a combination of things. Bro. So, I don't know how Man City have become so bad too. Bad. Man City don't have a defense. That's probably. Yeah. 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 The third uh, game. So, let's talk about that one now. The one that happened tonight. Um, we have earned ourselves an FA Cup replay um, in uh, our beautiful stadium. It's like we just love playing in the stadium. So let's just have more and more matches there against uh, Southampton. Today, uh, today's match against Southampton, we really, 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 really should have won. Uh, the number of chances that we created on the counter, uh, Sun should have scored. Mora needs to calm down and put roll the ball through the goalie's legs. You know, uh, Delhi Ali was having a horrible game again. Um, Los Angeles was shining in, in the middle of all that shit. 
then um, yeah more of the same from the previous games um ings uh, had an off game he could have uh, also scored to a couple of goals i think um sanchez was really bad uh, um and anirvan what do you think of today's game now on the whole i i thought we played very well on the first half uh, mm-hmm. in a, in a way it was a game of two halves uh we had a plan and the plan was the morino plan right. we will have an organized defense we will sit deep and defend uh and we will hit them on the counter that was pretty much the plan i think we did it well and uh, and in fairness i think son and mora should be uh you know taken to the cleaners for the misses that they did uh they should have scored those two goals and we should have been 2-0 up at the break uh and 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 we should have you know that would have probably killed off the game uh, we wouldn't have had to play the the replay so i think in the first half it it worked well and 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 uh, uh you know there was that odd chance that that southampton southampton got uh i think ings was not fully focused today which was lucky for us yeah. because if he was as focused as he was in the uh in the december period when when he was really on fire and scoring goals for fun uh he might have seized those half chances that came his way uh but but uh, as as things would have it uh, we were the better team in the sense uh they had more possession but that was the plan and we were clearly better in the counter attack we had the better chances and we should have been up uh yeah. in the second half it also all went along well till the point uh, sonny got that goal in which was a bit against the run of play because southampton had started ratcheting up the pressure at that point of time and and they kept doing it thereafter uh i think after we went up by a goal uh, our our game slipped i don't know if it was psychological but i just felt that our midfield was getting totally run over we were missing all the 50-50 balls our tackling was not firm i think we were getting a little bit bullied by the physicality of the southampton team and also their 4-4-2 was crowding us out in the midfield we basically abandoned the entire midfield and and typically that's always very risky unless you are very very good defensively the other thing that happened uh, you know which i which i did mention earlier was that there was they were beginning to really overrun us on the on their right wing which is our left hand side yeah and again tanganga was there i i don't think tanganga did anything particularly wrong but they were i think overloading the right wing and they were really coming through that space and cross after cross in the match sanchez made two errors both of them could have been very risky for us uh they they started getting more and more chances and you could just feel that goal coming uh when it did that equalizer from their from their side uh i know orier made that mistake he had actually played well till that point yeah. and then he made that mistake the 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 kind of mistakes that we have all come to uh you know love him so well to hate him for and 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 our tragedy that it happened but uh but uh, Morino I think also delayed bringing on Dyer he might have got Dyer in a lot earlier the Lamela change was spot on but I think he he delayed the Dyer change uh if ever we missed a central defensive midfielder I think 
this was the game in which we missed it. Yeah. Uh, Harry Kane, I mean, Harry Winks is just not a CDM, even though uh, uh, Mourinho is doing his best to make him one. So, Sal, I just wanted to talk to you about our midfield today. Uh, we played as a midfield two of Harry Winks and uh, Jetson. Yeah. Uh, it was a it was a debut for Jetson. Just wanted to talk, just wanted to understand what you thought about uh, Jetson's uh, debut and uh, how our midfield worked in general today. Well, I <clears throat> I haven't had the pleasure of watching the video that Canadian friend put together for us uh, on Jetson Fernandez. <clears throat> oh, sorry, am I muted? No, no, I'm not. Um, so I'm not quite sure if that is his natural position. Um, do you know off the top of your head where he normally plays? Or where he, he plays there. He play, he's a central midfielder. That's his oh, okay. But is he defensive or he's attacking? A box to box. He's, he's a box-to-box. Box box. Okay, okay. So, yeah, um, clearly he was running out of legs towards the, towards the end there. That's why he got subbed. But I think uh, what Anirvan said was, was spot on. It was pretty much a game of two halves in the sense that, I don't know if you noticed, in the first half, um, Nathan Redman, who was their standout player, was started attacking on the left side uh, in the first half. And then their manager switched him to the right in the second half. And we did not pick that up. We didn't, I don't know if that had anything to do with the way Tang- Tanganga played against Watford, because obviously he didn't play in the, in the uh, Norwich game. Um, in the Watford game, obviously, as we've already discussed, Ismail Saar had a field day down that left side or down the right side um, against Tanganga. So they're attacking right, our left. Um, And that's exactly what they did. They switched Nathan Redmond to be on their right side, our left. And and in the second half, that's why the whole game changed. They had a lot more freedom. Um, I don't think Tanganga got much protection uh, from Davidson Sanchez or in the midfield, anybody coming back and helping him out. But to be fair, Tanganga did what he did. it didn't make any clearing mistakes as such. He even had a goal line clearance from uh, yeah. uh, Ings. Uh, but back to the midfield. Yeah, I think um, Harry Winks performs much better when there is a three, a four-three-three type of setup, rather than just the right. two, because he likes to go forward. Um, he he gets about. Uh, not necessarily box to box, but he once he gets the ball, his instinctive reaction is to go forward with it, not pass backwards and not necessarily go sideways. He breaks up the play very well, gets stuck in there, lots of energy. Uh, as far as Fernandez is concerned, um, I I don't know if he's just sort of f- feeling his way into the into the game. I didn't see any anything that stood out. Um, no, nothing that I can recall uh, that jumps out at me. But I think. It's more about confidence, getting used to his teammates, getting used to the pace of the Premier League. I know it was the FA Cup game today, but you know what I mean, the English game, I should say. Um, and, and and just getting more game time. Um, but I think overall, we should have seen that game out and, and Anirvan was spot on in the first half had we taken our chances. And if you flip it around, if you think about it from Southampton's point of view, Yes, they were not firing on all cylinders today. Had they been, you know, they probably would have uh, taken their chances. But they didn't have that many chances. That's the point. The, the, few chan- the few chances they did have, and the one the chance they did have in the second half, they took it very well. Had we been as clinical as them, we would have probably had three or four. And um, 
And also Son needs to understand, this is, again goes back to basics. He knew he was in an offside position. Just jump over the ball, why touch it? And that goal would have stood because it came from Los Celso deep inside the 18-yard box. Um, and I'm sure, um, I, I don't think he was blocking the view of the goalkeeper. So had he just jumped over the yeah. ball, it would have been fine. It would have, the goal would have stood. Um, but basics again. Um, again, a little bit of selfish play. There was should have passed. Um, even with that first-time shot that um, Son took in the first half, great delivery. I can't remember who passed it to him. Um, actually, it was Lo Celso. Lo Celso, yeah. Yeah, so again, at the heart of everything that was for us was Lo Celso. Found Son, pinged it to him, and he took it first time. Uh, but he had to, there was no defender around him. Take a touch, get it down, maybe even place it either side of the keeper. But he decided to take it first time. So, um, I think bringing Dyer on in the, uh, in the latter stages, um, I think, was that before the goal or after the goal? That was, uh, he wanted to bring him on when the play was happening, but the ball never went out of play. Ah, so right, the goal yeah, happened so, and then they brought him on. They couldn't right. do anything. So you, you could see his thinking, Mourinho was thinking yeah. about of, uh, shoring up the defence and maybe holding on to the 1-0 lead. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, the substitution happened after the goal. But yeah, it's it is what it is. We we we've got to to see out these games. Um, uh, it's you know they say that all right. Today was a cup game. I was so good to see both teams fielding strong sides um, in the cup matches. You know, this you often see lots of changes, youngsters come yeah. through and so on. But I'm glad this shows that Mourinho's intent is perhaps to go after the FA Cup this year, which bodes yeah. well for us, and that, that's good. Uh, I, I feel good about it because. Um, finishing in the top four is still not a, a, a sure thing for us. It's going to be hard. Also, depends on others dropping points along the way. But if we can get a good cup run going, quite often a good cup run uh, breeds confidence, and then it spills over into the league form as well. So mm. let's see where it goes. It's uh, it, we can't take any. It, we could have done without this extra game in play, but. Thinking along those lines, it's actually after it's in that week of the uh, the winter break. Actually, no, it's the week after. It's just before the Leipzig games. That's not good. Damn it. Uh... <laughs> yeah. and, uh, I think Leipzig were losing today. Somebody was saying no. So some variety once in a while. But man, the, the Leipzig game is going to be now. The when is this international break? I keep thinking there is an international break no, coming. No, there up, isn't. But I don't know it's when it is. And it's not international, so it's just a winter break. There's no oh. international break. So it's next it's week. It's so a fortnight. No games. Fortnight, yeah. So you're saying that in that fortnight we'll have this replay? Uh, yes. Also, it is. So I was right. So I got my weeks wrong. It is in that international week break that the FA Cup replay will happen. So in a way, it's good because Marina yeah. was in the, in the press today saying the winter break has come at the wrong time because he right. would have preferred to have had some continuity. He got the... what he wanted. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's perfect. That's worked out well. Um, and it's an opportunity to see another game at the new stadium, so it'll be good. Yeah. It'll be packed. Um, that's... Just to go yeah. back to one one small point on the previous point, we we're talking about the you know, is it a case of uh, how badly everyone's performing and uh, and so on? I think it's a case of uh, you just can't take any team for granted just because they might be in the, right. in the relegation zone. I mean, just to underline that point again, over the Christmas break, over those five games, Southampton and Watford 
took as many, in fact, they took more points than City in that period. And only Liverpool took more points than those guys. So I think position, we as fans also should not become complacent and just think, oh, we're playing Norwich, so it should be an easy three-pointer. There's no, there are no givens in this game, in this league. And talking of Watford, Watford, will, they went to Anfield. I don't know if you remember when Nigel Pearson yeah. took over. It was the second game after taking over. They went to Anfield and really, they should have won. Um, and yeah. how Liverpool managed to 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 drag to dig out a win again shows the, the their strength and their strength of mentality. Maybe it's the because they did a, a, they had a strong finish last season. They um, they've turned they've taken what ninety three points out of ninety sorry ninety one points out of ninety three, which is incredible if you think about it over the last two years. They have found a way of grinding out results even against Wolves midweek. They ground yeah. out a result, right? And uh, I've really felt, really felt sorry for Wolves. But it just underlines that no game is a given. I felt sorry for Watford, but uh, and when you take that into account, us coming away with a nil-nil draw against Watford, yeah, happy days. I'll, I'll take that point. It was a clean sheet. It's, a, it's something to build on. Um, and again, with Norwich, we went to Norwich, and you know, we came away after being... Um, after losing, sorry, after they took the lead twice, we managed to draw, claw, draw, draw back. So again, that's a positive thing, but we should have won it. Um, the performance at home should have been a bit more convincing, but you're right, some of our players are not performing, not doing the basics, doing too many flicks here and there. But at the end of the day, we crossed over the line and got three points. It's just small, small details, and we've got to work on those and start getting those wins. Um, I did actually see the Norwich match in its entirety, I was out that evening week game, so I only saw the highlights yeah. on match of the day. But the highlights are condensed into literally a five-minute clip or six-minute clips. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it doesn't doesn't portray the whole thing. But from what little I saw, um, we we took our chances reasonably well. But I don't know which chances we missed, so I can't really comment on that. But back to the the midfield situation, I think find and by the midfield combination. I think with maybe we've. Used Lacelso in that three. Lacelso as the attacking midfield, uh, supported by Winks, and then one holding midfield or defensive midfield. Whether that's Jetson Fernandez or Eric Dyer, I don't know. Maybe when Endombele uh, comes back, he was on the bench today, and yeah. I would like to have seen him have some minutes. But I guess maybe uh, Mourinho thought one nil is too too much of a fragile lead at the moment, so we need a holding. Uh, yes. Sal, I have, a, I have a question for you. What are your thoughts on Skip? Skip is not getting enough airtime for me. Um, he's actually, for his age, he's a very confident player. And he's not afraid to, to get stuck into a tackle. And I remember, I think it was either a preseason game or a Champions League game. Has he played a Champions League game? He really took, you know, he took a couple of pounding tackles, just got up and left the other player crumpled in a heap. Um, he, If he's just like Tanganga, if Tanganga's been given a chance, I'd, I'd like to see Oliver Skip being given a chance um, as, a, as a central holding midfielder, maybe perhaps in the Southampton replay game. But he's a confidence player. Given a run of games, I think he could do a job for us. He's, he's not, as I said, he's not afraid. He's not, he's very young. But that hasn't uh, stopped him from putting in a couple of decent performances when he has come on in the past. He's played in the Champions League last season a couple of times for us, coming on as a sub. 
and that didn't phase him against some of the European uh, royalty, if you like. Um, so I'd like to see him given a chance, but will he be given a chance? I don't know. It's I think Mourinho would like to see a few wins under our belt, get us solidified at the back, and then perhaps he can he might be willing to take a, a risk or two. Um, let's see how we go against Southampton in the replay. That might be an opportunity for him to to play in that game. And if we can get past that round, depending on who we draw in the next round, he may potentially start. I mean, if it's a big name, maybe not. But if it's one of the lower teams, when I say lower, not from a Premier, non-Premier League team, then perhaps he might get a chance. I what, think what, what are your I think a Mourinho name said them once. Yeah. Pratik, what are you saying? I Sorry, said that uh, for like, I don't know when was the interview, but for Dombele, like I think mentioning about Dombele's injury and all, uh, Mourinho did quote uh, Skip and he name-checked Skip, that Skip and like Dyer and some other midfielders are fighting for the spot. And he actually praised Skip. So that gave me some hope that we'll, I, like, we'll see Skip in some game, but there has been no clue. And if this continues, I hope for his sake he goes out on loan at least. Yeah, yeah. I think I, Luke Amos is on loan, right? He's also a CDM. And he's uh, playing really well for whoever he's playing for QPR. QPR. Yeah. 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 So starting with game. We should. Game. We should. If he, if we are not playing the youngsters, we'll be giving them out on loan. But just that other point that was a that was a big conversation. I think what's happening in the Premier League. I think there are two things that's happened. Liverpool on the back of the confidence that they have had. The Champions League victory has simply gone from strength to strength. They are riding that first streak. And till uh, in the last match, Sadio Mane pulled a muscle. They have been also reasonably lucky in having their, uh, you know, first 11 uh, pretty much fit and firing all the time. Manchester City did not. And I think that's how important injuries can be. Man City also started falling behind. Liverpool, uh, just on the basis of those uh, of some of those injuries that they happened, particularly in their defence, with Laporte going away. So that mm-hmm. explains in part the gap because City and Pool were so far ahead of the rest. But I think in the rest of the league, what's happened is that the gap has closed. So yeah. we used to say it was the top six, and in reality, it was the top two plus four. Uh, mm-hmm. And then now we see. I mean, I mean, for sure, Wolves has got a very classy team. Uh, Sheffield has been a real surprise with the way they have been organized and the way they are playing. Uh, and that's two uh, so-called non-top six teams which are, which are breaking in. But, but what Sal said is so true. Any team can upset any team. And that's why I'm not so bothered about, you know, a gap in the point because I know that the other teams will lose points as well. And I'm not talking of Pool and City here, uh, and maybe Leicester has got away, but but the rest of the team, all of them will lose points. It's really how we play the tough matches and figure out ways of nicking those points instead of dropping them. I think that's that's what's what's important. But I think top four is definitely on for us uh, if we can well get a focal point, uh, a, a striker signed up in this this break. I think top four is possibility. Yeah. So speaking of strikers, that is a great uh, segue to our next topic, which is the transfer news. Yay! We've got Jetson. 
he has started. And somebody said he's like Ramirez. There's no way he's too slow to be Ramirez and all. Bomb. So nowhere close to Ramirez and stuff. But uh, yeah, I hope to see more from that guy. Um, Pratik, do you know who we are linked to? Or who we are going to sign? Are we going to sign a CDM? I don't think we we have been linked to a CDM. Mostly it's the strikers. And I, I'm glad it's a striker because that's... I agree with the focal point thing. We, lo- we look clueless with Moura or Son. Moura up front especially. Son, okay. Right. But we so, need a striker mainly. And yeah, we were linked to that uh, Zay Lewis. Now it is this William, William Jose. Yeah, and the latest editor, like we are 10 million apart in valuation. I mean, they want 21 million. We uh, million. we have almost 10, 10 million. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Some peanut striker we want. <laughs> I think I, I've never heard of the striker before. I don't know why, yeah. why we are going for this. I don't know where we're going just for some random guy. Who's the least lost 80 million, but the club wants only 20 million for him. (laughs) (laughs) Even the club was like, okay, like we are getting some money, let's take it and all. Yeah, it's just mad. I don't know why. Why don't pay better money and take PR tech or somebody at least? Who we have some resale value? Paying money, then might as well get that uh, Ben Yedder. So, have you seen that guy? He's uh, he's killing it for Monaco. He is yeah, 29. Why, why would they sell? That's also important, right? The, the See, club is yeah. willing to sell. I think at the right price, anybody is available, right? So, I mean, at least it would be nice if we were linked to better strikers. I don't know. Uh, we are, oh, the only other decent striker we are linked to is Cavani. And I don't think that is going to happen also. So, um, I don't know. Piantec... I have my reservations on that guy. I don't know somebody who scored seven goals in two years, how he's going to come and make a difference in our team. So I don't know why he can't go after Giroud. He's he would be a perfect like option off the bench or something like that. So if some better strikers would be nice to be linked with, but it is what it is. We are just linked to Piatek, this uh, William Jose guy. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much it in the striker position. And uh, in midfield, I think uh, there are some uh, Bruno rumors uh, floating again. Ericsson's transfer is still not complete. I don't know why. It's just taking so long, and I don't, I don't like every day that he stays. I feel like he's just gonna, like it. He's gonna play again and give give us one more shit performance. Yeah, so, the guy needs to like leave ASAP so I can be at like some mental peace. Yeah. I have to admit one thing, guys. Your right. knowledge of the transfer market and the, the um, detailed information you have on some players that I've never even heard of is phenomenal. Um, I've I, I listen, I've listened to the previous podcasts, and I have to say I've learned quite a lot about potential targets. Um, I don't know if you actively follow the other leagues, Bundesliga in particular. You guys keep throwing names, but I'm really impressed. Uh, so you know, keep it up. This is a, it's a yeah. very informative podcast from that. <laughs> yeah, uh, we tried to do little research and all before <laughs> jumping on. That's about it. Mukund, Mukund yeah. usually knows a lot about the other teams' uh, stuff. He's um, he 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 brought up all these like Somare and all. I didn't know about those guys till he told me about it. Our WhatsApp group. Yeah. 
Umar yeah, WhatsApp group is full of the yeah. So we are also linked to Paco Alcacer from Sorry. the German league. We are apparently raiding the German, and we were linked to quite a few players: uh, Gotsa, Alcacer, and some uh, guys from Munchen Gladbach, I think, whose name I've never heard of. Uh, um, the yeah, Dennis Zakarias. No, 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 so, not him. Yeah. Some other name. It starts with W. The name starts with W. Yeah, correct, correct. Yeah. So, so but, Uni, but, but, you, you mentioned yeah. uh, you mentioned um, Olivier Giroud right. earlier. Right, right. What, what's the situation? Right. Is he is he actually actively looking? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's actually uh, he was linked to um, uh, Inter Milan. Right. He, so what? Yeah, so. On on a transfer or on a loan? Uh, on a transfer. Oh wow. He was, he was uh, being sold to Inter Milan. So the Inter Milan president said that they are working on deals for Giroud. Uh, Ericsson and uh, one more guy, some oh, left back or right back. That's already happened, Moses. Ah, uh, Moses, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Moses is done. Ericsson is almost done. I think uh, I don't know what the delay is for in the Ericsson deal. Uh, and Giroud, I think they've given up. They're going after someone else, Lorente, I think. So um, yeah. I think we should go for Giroud. If the, I mean, I don't think Chelsea will ever sell him to us. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Is that right. my thinking here is instead of going after these names. Uh, of, of some Bundesliga players I've never even heard of, who right. might take some time to adjust to the Premier League, to the to the fast pace of the English game and so on. Why right. not take a tried and tested, proven striker? All right, fair enough, he's not in his heyday at the moment. But as someone who... And Giroud holds the ball up quite well and he links other players up. He, he could act as that focal point player. Even if he's just for the next six months... We can get him on a loan or just sign him, for God's sake. If he's happy to sit on a bench at Chelsea, he might be happy to not necessarily sit on the bench all the time at Spurs, but know that he could potentially come on and, and either play alongside Kane or replace Kane or, or at least uh, fill in for Kane while he's injured for the next two, three months or however long it's going to be. He could come in and know that he could pretty much start straight away because Kane is out. So we need that focal point. Makes sense to me to have someone like him or maybe someone else from the English Premier League. Um, someone mentioned, I think it was, oh, it was, um, yeah, in midweek on Match of the Day, they were saying that not necessarily linked with Spurs, but they were talking about um, Jay Rodriguez from Burnley. Burnley. Uh, after that wonder strike he had at uh, Old Trafford. Yeah. Brilliant goal he scored. Um, yeah. He could potentially do a job for 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 a club like Spurs. Not they weren't linking him, but they were saying if Spurs are looking for a striker, he would be a good candidate. Why don't Spurs go after him? Another one was uh, Raúl Jiménez from Wolves. But well, the I big question then is why would he leave? Wout, yeah. Yeah. Wout Weghorst. That's his name. Oh, Wout Weghorst. I mean, this seems like something from Harry Potter. Wout Weghorst <laughs> from Wolfsburg. <laughs> wow. And there's another striker, Haaland. He's gone oh. to Dortmund for like what twenty million or something like that. He's he would have been an amazing signing and a youth prospect. He's yeah, just that, eighteen or something. We yeah, should have been looking for that him. Happened that would never have happened yeah. because the reason he opted for Dortmund was because yeah. he was assured first team minutes. Yeah. We would never have been able to give him that. Yeah. And in fact, the reason Solkzer uh, uh, and Solkzer knew him from his uh, uh, Norway days, right? Uh, right, right. I forget yeah. the name of the club he was managing. But uh, but uh, he knew him. He, in fact, Solzer thought that with that Norwegian connection, this was going to happen for him. Yeah. Because I think it's, for the managers also, it's important 
to win those brownie points of saying that I got this player in and he came and joined because I uh, said that please come and join. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry, yeah. So, it's so but at the end of the day, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you, Anirvan. He would. Why would he have come to Spurs, or why would any standout striker come to Spurs? Difficult thing for Spurs because we have Harry Kane. Most of them won't come. Another thing with Haaland is that his agent, I have this Min. Oh, Min or Ayola? Yeah, that was never good. You know, this guy inserted a clause of like six fifty or sixty million, which activates after two years. So I think Levy would have never agreed to that. So. <laughs> I think after two years, um, if he's still going for 50, 60 million, that's still a steal. In two years' time, who knows where Harry Kane And if ever Harry Kane leaves, um, this Haaland guy would be an ideal replacement. Yeah, and whatever. Let him learn his trade. Well, not that he, he's, he's already learned it. He's making a mark, making a name for himself at Dortmund. Um, I have no doubt he's going to probably... Maybe a little bit late for this season. Uh, hang on, was he, he was in the Bundesliga this season earlier for another club, right? Salzburg. Uh, no, no, he was playing for Salzburg in the Austrian league. Austrian league, right? So it's not German, right? So probably next season he's going to be the uh, equivalent of the Golden Boot winner for the in the Bundesliga. I have no doubts about that. He's he's played two games and he scored five goals already in two two matches. Yeah. Um, he's a born goal scorer. He's got the stature. He's got the height. He can hold the ball up. He can win aerial battles, and I think he'd be great to. to he would be a fantastic replacement for Harry Kane if ever Harry Kane leaves. Um, but I don't think he would come to Spurs and play second fiddle to uh, an established striker like Harry Kane. So I think we can forget about that one for the time being. Yeah. Actually, you know, Giroud for six months makes a lot of sense because he needs playing time. We can give him playing time with Kane's injury, and he wants to get into the Euro team. So, I think six months for him and us is a perfect fit. But I don't know if I want him considering his ex Chelsea and like ex Arsenal. He'll complete a holy trinity of the London clubs. I don't know. Who <laughs> that. It's happened in the past. We've had a, had a uh, Galas. William William Gallas. Uh, oh yeah, correct, correct. Gallas. Well, Gallas Gallas was not exactly the favorite player of Tottenham, so I'm I'm not <laughs> sure that precedence is a good one. A great player in his own right, of course. Yeah. But 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 I I think this is really a recruiting problem because most of the young players or other stars see everybody gets better when they get game time. And with Harry Kane, except for these, uh, you know, next three four months when Kane is probably not there, maybe out for the season. Except this period of time, normally they wouldn't, because Harry plays every game, and and you know he is pretty much Mister Tottenham. So, uh, so that's the problem I think in attracting all the all the right uh, right strikers. That kind of cuts the cuts the hiring funnel down, right? Uh, yes, I I think I actually th- thought that uh, you know getting Lorente back wouldn't have been a bad idea on a loan. Uh, yeah. One of the conversations we had was that you know how come without Kane, uh, uh, same time last season we actually ended up scoring more goals. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the reasons was that even if Lorente for a long time was not scoring anything, and and yeah. we were all having fun at his expense till suddenly he became the hero. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, the, the yes. reality was that you put that tree in the middle of the penalty box, plant him there. <laughs> that, that creates a, a, a tension for the defenders because they have to keep circling that tree and figuring out what to do. And right. uh, that that gives space for the, the Sons and the Moras to do their bit of magic. So I think if he could have got Lorente on a loan, uh, that would be a bad, wouldn't have been a, wouldn't have been a bad thing. I thought thought it was very bad idea to let uh, Lorente go without taking a second striker on. Uh, I mean, I mean, at 17 years of age, Troy Parrott uh, probably it, we would have been doing better if he had kept Lorente and put Parrott on a loan somewhere so that we could have fished him back in a couple of years. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, we went a different way. Uh, but Lorente would be a, would be a good loan loan signing. Uh, the other is that if he can, I think, get Cavani uh, for a relatively small amount of money. See, there are. Uh, I, I hear Mourinho saying, and I think it's probably the Levy line that we will be taking somebody on potential. Not that a 28 year old uh, is is huge potential from from Spain that they are targeting. Uh, but but I think that in a situation like this, just getting somebody who will give us some service over the next one, two years is also good. And then look for a much better, younger striker in, um, in, the, in the summer. Uh, right now, there's a crisis. We just need to get some good striker, uh, you know, so that we have a decent chance at the top four. That's what I think we should do. I think there's a striker crisis in all of the... I, I, actually, all the England strikers are uh, mm. gone, and even Barcelona have lost Suarez for uh, a long time. He's got a knee injury, and uh, everybody's in the market for a striker right now. So, and the funny part is, I don't think there are many available. So there is like I think they're genuinely good strikers. There's like this Haaland who has gone to this team, Bauer Dortmund, and there is this Lutaro Martinez in Inter who they'll never sell, but yeah. he has a hundred million release clause. Which uh, I think that guy is just out of this world, man. He's too good. Like he makes Lukaku look so good. That guy, <laughs> shit, man. He's he's phenomenal striker. Like Barca is going to go for them. Like yeah, Barca want him to replace Suarez. It seems. So that just speaks highly of that guy. And then there's who Mbappe. These guys are the guys who are like, um, and I like available strikers. I don't really know. You know what we have, what options we have. So whatever it is, I hope we just pick the right one. You know, I like I, I like Anirban's idea because I mean, get let's get Laurenti. The price is also cheap. It's just two million fees we have to give to Napoli, right. and like Cavani is unreachable because of his wages and the contract which he wants. So I think Laurenti for short term or play parrot or get somebody. I mean, we are we look we're toothless without a striker. We look. We look as if we are doing some jugad, you know, like get a <laughs> Exactly. We're just playing like, okay, bro, we'll see if it goes in the goal, great. But uh, I, yeah, I think I read I read somewhere that I think Lorente has been linked to somebody else as well. Uh, Inter, Inter. Yeah, Inter. Inter, right. So as you said, Uni, I mean, there seems to be a, a shortage of strikers. So if anybody's available, they're linked with multiple clubs, um, which is why I think we're probably not going to solve the striker situation in this window and i agree with anira we need to look perhaps look more long-termish uh in the summer recruit somebody who's going to be around and develop and so on um but short-termish either get Lorente if we can or get olivia Giroud. can you just imagine for a second if we get Giroud, he comes in starts playing immediately because he obviously there's a vacant slot there 
And then we play, we've got the North London derby coming up, and he scores the winner for us. Yes, it would be the, in the men's game, just to be technically yeah. correct. <laughs> Uh, Sal, I, I wanted to ask you this question. I mean, and you've been, you know, your your reference point was 1978. Uh, you've been going to uh, the Spurs, uh, to watch Spurs for so long and been so closely associated with the club. Uh, how has the new stadium been for you? I mean, what's what's the great thing about it that you love? And, and, and what's the one thing that maybe you miss the most from the older White Hart Lane? days well I'll, if i can answer the second question first the old one funny enough just yesterday i was watching uh, i had to make room on my tivo box because it reached 100 percent. so i had to delete some old programs i had recorded and i i was watching the the lane which was a, a tribute um to the, the finale and so on and uh, it brought back lots of uh, memories so if i could start with that one what i miss about the lane is it's basically the sentimentality of it because obviously that was my first game there. Uh, I was there for the last game uh, against United. I was there for the celebrations and so on. And uh, Uni and Pratik know this, but it, back in 2014, I even got to play at the White Hart Lane Stadium on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and wow. So that was, um, that was a in celebration. Well, I think it was thanks largely to AI. AIA who had signed the sponsorship deal with Spurs and as part of that being an Asian uh, insurance company they arranged a, uh, a match between supporters clubs so there was an Asia Spurs representative 11 versus rest of the world representative 11 and a number of the India Spurs members got to play alongside Hong Kong Spurs, uh, Singapore Spurs and various Asian Spurs club in a collaboration so that was a dream come true uh, for me so I the old White Hart Lane will always hold a, a special place in my heart. Um, so one of the first things I did when I went to the stadium was I knew that under the south stand was the old centre spot. I went and found, and it's, it's clearly marked uh, in the ground is where the old centre spot is. When I found that, had my picture taken there and so on. Um, as for the new stadium, in terms of um, what stands out, well, firstly, the first and foremost is um actually there's several things and as you approach it it just looks amazing it looks like it's uh, something out of this world because uh, you know having kind of got used to going to all these different clubs uh, different stadiums uh, in london as well as other places um you get used to seeing a stadium that has a typical structure on the outside and so on this looks nothing like any other stadiums that i've been to um so it's quite imposing um so that's the first thing you notice. Second thing you notice is when you get inside, it's how easily accessible that all the areas are. You can walk around the stadium um, almost 360 degrees, except for when you get to the away section. You just go up the stairs and go around again. Um, underneath the south stand is where most of the fans congregate before the game. And it's a real party atmosphere. You've got great choice of uh, food, beers, drinks, whatever you want to get. But that's where all the fans are there. They're chanting, getting getting to high spirits. Um, then when you actually go inside into the bowl area in, in, in view of the pitch, what hits you is how, unlike most of these big stadiums, having spent two years at Wembley, um, it was a 
contrast to come back home again, so to speak. And it feels like home. That's the first thing. It does feel like the old White Hart but only bigger. But you're still very close to the action. You're very close to the action. You can hear the players. You can. Uh, the, the one of the things that they've done uh, perfectly at this stadium is in the construction. They somehow engineered the acoustics to be literally top notch. That the, even though there's a gaping hole in the middle, the sound somehow stays in. And when the crowd starts roaring, it is electrifying. You know, you can feel the the hair on the back of your neck stand up. It's just phenomenal. It's hard to experience listening on the on the, the radio or on TV or whatever. But when you're there, it really is amazing. Especially that south stand, the wall when it's in full voice. It's quite intimidating. On a couple of occasions, I've actually arrived at the stadium early, uh, only because on some occasions I go with uh, a friend of mine who's disabled, so we have to get there early. He doesn't like crowds, so we have to go early, get in there in his chair and so on. So we got there early, and the players actually, the away players, this was Sam last season, they arrived um, They arrived after we were already inside the stadium, and I saw the players come stadium making their way to the changing room and the first thing they see as they walk in this is their entrance is from the uh, so it's the northeast stand that's opposite the south wall and they walk in and the first thing they see is the the, the south stand with the cockerel on top and you can if you could lip read they think oh my god look at that and it's almost as if um we've scored a goal already even it's it's that imposing. Um, so in that respect, it's 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 easily accessible. It's great for acoustics. You're so close to the pitch. Uh, very modern. Um, obviously, from my friend's point of view, very accessible for the disabled uh, people. At the old White Hart Lane, we were always on the ground level, first row. And the problem with the old White Hart Lane pitch was that there was a natural curve uh, on the pitch, so you couldn't quite see the other side of the pitch from one from from our side whereas now we've got disabled seating at each tier and where i normally sit it's it's block 105 right in front of the media it's a fantastic so we're in between the media and the away bench the away dugout uh, so overall it's just a wonderful experience and i really hope you know everyone listening gets a chance to visit the, even if for one game uh, if you're ever in london do come and experience a game at the lane. It's fantastic, especially a midweek game under the lights. And, and if it's a Champions League game, even better. Uh, it's, it's always a sellout and, and the fans are in, in full voice. So I hope I've kind of given you a, a glimpse of it. And, and I don't know if some of you are subscribed to the India Spurs Facebook page. Um, there is a link. I kind of impromptuly, uh, and it was completely unplanned, the first time I went to the stadium, I film the whole experience so I could share it with you guys and so my first experience of the stadium was captured live along with you guys experiencing it so um, it's not very professional you know I'll add that little caveat in there I'm not a professional vlogger or anything like that but I decided to just capture what I could just to give you a sense of what the, the experience is like and seeing it for the first time myself and I thought I'd do it along as if I'm doing, walking alongside with you guys so go check that out yeah, I remember I watched that. That was like uh, super hands-on also, the video. Everything. I think you captured all the pyrotechnics and everything. You went for the opening, right? The stadium no, opening. This was the stadium opening, so there were no pyrotechnics. 
pyrotechnics were on the first league match against Crystal Palace. So this oh. first first stadium opening was the first ever game of any kind. The under twenty three. Oh, okay. oh yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. The okay. kids playing, but a lot of people didn't even watch the match. They were just like, oh, they were exploring the stadium and so on. So <laughs> okay. I and it wasn't even planned on my part. I got off the train at, at um, White Hart Lane Station, and I suddenly thought, right, I'm walking up, and I was like in, excited. I had. Uh, butterflies in my stomach and i was thinking my god i'm if i'm feeling like this in my I'm, i felt sorry for you guys in, in stuck in india not being able to experience it. So i get my phone out so i went live and, and it was just it worked out perfectly in the sense that as i was walking up walked through the turnstile i didn't switch my phone off at one continuous take went through the turnstiles walked around the south stand and then blah 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 then i entered the actual ball area went to my seat went down to the floor and then literally the players came out the, the <laughs> The um, the match kicked off, and then that's when I had to switch off. So I couldn't have timed it any any better. It was it's all one flowing take with no stoppages at all. Nice. It was really good uh, style. I mean, it sounds so beautiful, and I like you entice me so bad to go there. Not. My regret was uh, one of my regrets, which I'll die with, is uh, not going to White Hart Lane. It was there, but. I don't want to, you know, die with the regret that I didn't go to a new stadium. So that will definitely. <laughs> uh, it will happen. It will happen. Give it time. I'm sure. There have been several players, uh, several people from India who have come in three, four years, um, either as part of an organized trip. Uh, India Spurs sent out a delegation, I think, two years, ago, three years ago, just before White Hart Lane was demolished. So not the final game, but just it was a game against Leicester. We lost that one nil, but. I think there's about 13 people that came from different parts of the country. We had from Bangalore, uh, Ravi Teja had come along. So um, the others were from different cities and so on. Um, and we got to, you know, they, they laid on a special treat for us. They, when they heard that there was a delegation of, from India of 13 or 14 people coming, uh, Spurs laid on the red carpet treatment. They took us in, they gave us a stadium tour, went to the changing rooms, um, interviewed a couple of guys and so on. But sub subsequent to that, at the new stadium, there have been people coming in sort of dribs and drabs, each trip, um, or some people have come on a family holiday and they've kind of come along and they've contacted me, hey, Sal, can you help us get a ticket? Or blah, 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 and they've gone. Um, so, you know, there's there's a guy, uh, Imran, Imran Khan, who's currently in Bangalore. I think he's come to one of your screenings. He's from St. Joseph's College. He came out. I met up with the Together we went, it was his first experience, and that was against, I can't remember, it was a Champions League game um, last season. I uh, can't remember. Might have been Ajax, first leg. Yeah, the oh. home leg against Ajax, perhaps, that was a game. So um, talk to him, talk to him about his first experience. I mean, it might even, what he has to say will probably resonate more with you guys because it was his first ever experience at the Spurs match, full stop. <laughs> Um, <laughs> actually, not not the first because he and I had gone to Wembley Stadium against Dortmund earlier in that year uh, in oh. the Champions League again. So that's when he said, "Sal, I love it. This was my first ever Spurs game at Dortmund. Uh, sorry, against Dortmund. The moment we won three 0 oh, and he man. said, "Please, when the new stadium opens, somehow you have to get me a ticket." So when the when the, the, the Champions League game was played at the new stadium, he came along with. Me. So he's in India at the moment until I think of. 10th of February. So if you guys get a chance, catch up with him at the screening and have a chat, and uh, he'll give you his side of the story and his whole share his experience. 
definitely i mean i think um, i and unni got a taste of it when we went to singapore we yeah the first match of their stay of their season and all but it was like yeah it was nice it was fun yeah. to see all the players yeah. warming up and all that Cristiano Ronaldo stole the show, but he just came on. He was like, "Hey guys, how are you?" <laughs> he was, he was having fun there. Yeah. That is all. That is what is happening there. That was a crazy match. The Harry Kane scoring from midfield and all that. It was like, and my brother's texting me at the time saying, "Like, wow, you! I can't believe you saw that live." I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but only I think it's time to go to London soon. To see London, yeah, bro. Our next, our next trip is going to be to uh, London, no? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I hope, I hope that you know. I'm, I'm so glad that you made, took the effort, and or took the grab the opportunity to go to Singapore. And while you were there, I hope you got a sense of the bigger picture in the sense that I know you guys get together regularly for screenings in Bangalore, but going to a game where you see fans from other countries. and every the common theme that unites us all is our love for the for the club and right. that sense of fraternity or brotherhood call it what you like it's a family at the end. and you imagine that but times i don't know 1000x when you come to white hart lane and you're you're there in full voice with all the 60,000 other fans this is and not just in the stadium but you know prior to coming in yeah. just walking up to it even on the public transport as you're coming to white hart lane um and so on so it's it's something to be experienced once in a lifetime definitely yeah 2020 pratik <laughs> anirban is anirban he's on mute probably that event is gone because i wanted to i think uh, transfers and then right back i think uh, max arens uh, what i what i saw uh on in the internet is that uh, we have a deal in place for this guy to join us in the summer so yeah. probably not uh, immediate fixed right back because i don't know how they don't want to change orier man even though he was today at the end of the day he only gave goal so <laughs> like come on give him some competition dude like obviously Kyle Walker Peters is not seen as competition for orier But oh, still, yeah, he starts. Pratik, tell me, bro. I know it's your bubbling. I'm like Orier is like an enigma, you know. It's like it's like a it's like a lemonade. It's either good or bad. You throw it off or you drink it. It's like that. Any <laughs> consistency from him, man. I mean, like, I've got a new story. Now he's having a good run of games. I'm happy. Let it continue. But I'm also prepared for a bad match. I don't know where Walker Peters is. I don't know. Is he? Even going to Paris, I'm not sure now. I don't know. We saw him in uh, Singapore, and then we haven't seen him. What? We jinxed him. I mean, I feel sad yeah. for the. Yeah, sad guy. Yeah, Palace have been heavily linked with him, and yeah. I heard that Danny Rose is, could possibly yeah. be going to uh, Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah, some more departures there. So I just want to talk about one uh, point. So um, questions for all of you guys. Uh, Delhi Ali, would you sell him? And if you sell him, would you replace him with someone like if if we had the option to sign somebody like a Grealish or a Madison to replace him, would you take that? Um, Anirban. 
well, no, I wouldn't. Levy okay. may, I wouldn't. Okay. Uh, the logic for selling Dele Ali is that at this point of time, I mean, forget the transfer market valuations, which is, I think, 85 million or thereabouts. Right. Uh, uh, in, in reality, if you sell Dele Ali, you might get uh, upwards of 50 million for him. Uh, but that's the only reason, because in the future, his, uh, his uh, price may, may drop if he is not able to keep fitness. And, and he has slowed down. And, and, and it's very clear he needs somebody of the quality of Kane to really come alive. Uh, otherwise, he may, he may struggle. So there is a financial logic to selling Dele Ali now instead of selling him later when his price would drop. Right. But the reason I said no, I wouldn't personally sell him is because I believe next to Harry Kane, if there is a player or two players who really kind of embody Spurs, it is, uh, it is Dele Ali and Son. And, and there is something called, uh, you know, giving an identity to, to a club. And, and right. I think Dele Ali is a part of that. And this is not just false sentiment. I mean, properly handled and with the right level of motivation, uh, you know, as long as he can get rid of his brother and, and, and get to the ground himself. Uh, I think Dele Ali can be a winner for us for many more years. We also sometimes forget just how young he is because yeah, he just true. simply started his career early. So maybe he's also going through a learning curve. Uh, and, and he has to be played at his best position, which is that of a second striker, uh, close behind the, the center forward. In any other role, he's simply not as effective. So, so I think... I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell Dele Alli. And the, and the reality is that uh, if we were looking at an attacking midfielder and a second striker, uh, whom would we exactly be, uh, be buying? Uh, who would be a winner, uh, winner for us? I mean, we don't buy the Joe Pintos of the world, right? Uh, we are, uh, I, I wouldn't say we are Spurs because we just heard Sal talk about the fact that the first real overseas players were by Spurs. So there was a tradition of that earlier. Uh, we are Enic, so we, we don't do that. And, uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, I think, I think uh, uh, it, it, it just doesn't make sense. It makes almost as little sense as uh, selling Harry Kane because he'll be worth a lot of money. So I don't think we would sell him. Because, you know, there's just, uh, I, the reason I brought it up is because it looks like he's being shoehorned into this team. Because we we want to play this four two three one system, and then Deliare just doesn't like. Where does he play in this system? That's why I was wondering if whether is is you know is he looking for somebody else to, um, like in that at attacking midfield role, if he had someone a little more creative and a little more with a little more finesse to his passes, and like Deliare who is just flicking the ball everywhere, and um, and like you know those those deft through balls or the over the top pass that. That Rosselso played to um, whose son, or Lucas, today in today's match. Somebody he played that nice. Like Dele Alli tried the same thing. It did not come off. It wasn't even close. But then Rosselso tried that with his left foot, and it was on the money. The ball was on, on, on spot, on the spot. So you know, is it is that is? Do you think that he is as this team goes forward, this guy is gonna get less and less minutes in? Uh, for, uh, because of the way we play, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mention the other, other reason for not selling Ali, which is my uh, seven-year-old nephew who is a third-generation Spurs fan now. I mean, okay. Ali happens to be his favorite player. So that's oh. another excellent reason. <laughs> but, but, but other than that, I, I, I think here's, here's, the, here's the deal, guy. I mean, hmm. uh, if we play 4-3-3, I think Ali will struggle. But till True. the time we switch to that, at a 4-2-3-1, he still has that place, which is playing just behind the center forward. It's just that right. we don't have the center forward. We don't, we don't have a center forward of Kane's quality. We don't have a center forward of any kind. So, so that, I think, is the, is, the, is the real problem. When we had a Lorente, Ali was pretty good yeah, uh, playing in, often, yeah. in Kane's absence uh, last time round. So... Uh, so I think we need to just uh, just make sure uh, we are being fair in our in our judgments. I, for one, certainly believe that if Ali can, uh, he's a very talented player. If if he can come back in full glory, he he is he's going to be phenomenal for uh, phenomenal for Spurs even in the in the uh, few months that we have uh, in this season in the in the business end of the season. I think he will ignite. I'm, 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 my, my sense is that Moreno is kind of winding him up, and Ali plays well when he is kind of wound up a bit. Uh, there's a there's a kind of a nasty side to Ali as well, uh, which which brings out his competitive edge, and then he's uh, he's even better. So so I think if he can get a good center forward in a four two three one, Ali has his place tucked in behind the center forward with Son on the left. Loselso can play on the on the on the right hand side. I mean, he'll cut inside with his left foot, just like Son would uh, cut inside from the from the left as well. And uh, you know, if uh, if we find a good central defensive midfielder, uh, you know, a better version of Dyer, uh, and and then uh, uh, Tangoy and Tomble, uh becomes the ball carrying midfielder, then then I think it's game on definitely. Uh, and and Ali is a is a core part of it. yeah <clears throat> yeah sure that that is for sure uh, even I wouldn't sell him because he's still so young and uh, we, like with him it's the the sky is the limit here with his his talent is like out of this world you know sometimes he comes up with his it's just magic you you remember I'm pretty sure everybody remembers his goal Crystal Palace and all that and even this season against United his goal that was too good man. So I wouldn't sell him. Pratik, would you sell him? Sal? Anybody would sell him? No. No, okay. Delhi Ali is not being sold. I think he not just he himself, but I think the overall squad was one of the attractive features that that um motivated Mourinho to, to take over the club, uh, to take over the, the, the job. Um right. as one of the things. I mean obviously there's a stadium, the the potential and so on. And I think if Mourinho can turn a Deli Ali from the current Deli Ali into a Lampard-like player that he doesn't show the job, then and I think he, I think Mourinho honestly believes that there's more that Deli Ali can give, which you can clearly see from that initial statement. He said, "You know, are you Deli Ali or are you brother?" He's trying to wind him up. He's trying to get him to to understand. And I think Deli Ali's biggest downfall is himself. He himself that I think he has not been applying himself. Maybe he's distracted with other stuff off the pitch, um, his, his, um, his social media stuff or his uh, product lines that he's trying to bring out. I think he just, that comes back to the point I was making earlier. Get back to the basics. 
do the basic stuff well and you will start gaining confidence you start you know doing simple passes rather than these flicks start and identify work with Mourinho to identify what the right position is rather than just say uh, rather than just be dictated by Mourinho I think Marie Deli Ali's been around he's only you're right under running old but he's got years of experience behind him you know, he's been playing in the league for a long time um, even from a business perspective if if Deli Ali and Spurs were to part ways I think Levy Daniel Levy would find a way to get him to perhaps sign an extension to his contract and then work out a way where he could leave and then we'd still be able to recoup a significant amount of money on top whatever we get is obviously clear profit we only got him for five mil it's incredible to, to, to think in these in this day and age but i think personally i would not sell him i think given that we are going through this transitionary period we've only had a, what, 15, 16 games with Mourinho in charge um it's not enough i think this season is a transition period if we finish it for maybe win the cup and attract a couple of additional players in either in this window or go into the transfer market next year build a team give him his slot behind the striker and give him that confidence back and then you could, i think we've we haven't seen um the full potential of Deli Ali yet certainly not this season or the season last year but we've all seen glimpses of what he can produce pass and i think with the right team right manager around um and I think Mourinho is the right manager for him. We just got to work it out. Yeah, I think Sal, you uh, hit the nail on the head with this one word, you know, Lampard. Yeah. Because you know, the first season of his, I remember telling in the group saying that you know, after the first season, like we have finally found a goal-scoring midfielder that we have been asking for 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 years. Yeah. If you look at all the top teams, they they say that a defense wins you titles, but. A score, a defense which also pops up with goals at times, a, a midfield which scores from time to time is what a team needs to win. And you know, Ali was Ali started off so well. Our expectations of him is, I mean, it's he's like a victim of his own our uh, his own achievements. He's he's yeah. been so good. And yeah, of course, with his age and talent, there's so many things which can come off. I mean, we we have to be patient with him. He's still 23. And yes, with my with the right setup and right formation and everything, he can work wonders. So we have we have better players to get rid of than Ali for sure. Okay, so that is our. Uh, I think we can move on to our next, uh, like the preview for the next game, which is happening in seven days against our favorite opponents, <laughs> Man- Manchester City. Manchester oh. City. At so um, yeah, at home we are gonna. <laughs> yeah, I will try to get a Man City fan to join me for the podcast <laughs> after this match. I can get you on it. <laughs> yeah, one of my brother's friends is there, man. How are we psychs on Tottenham, you know? I think oh. secretly Manchester City hate Tottenham the most because oh. we have actually cost them very important things uh, over the last ten years. I think since it's oh, yeah. significant. You know, like uh, I think uh, this guy is Crouch's goal, and uh, last season's Champions League, and um, what else? I think oh, last season's Champions League, the way it happened, and also this season the first match we played two-two draw. That VAR thing happened again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I think 
Man City fans will be just elated when if they beat us. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's always fun to play against Man City because um, I don't know every match. It just looks like we'll get shredded, but somehow we just hang in there and we give them a good fight. So that's I I don't know what to expect uh, in that match. Uh, Pratik, what do you think is going to happen in that game? I would really, really love if we win. I mean, I would just you know jump out of joy because <laughs> so long we bet like a big team. But uh, yeah. I think. Like what my brain says, and I think that's the best we can get for now. Hopefully, a draw. Draw is like, considering their yeah, players and our all, draw is the most likely result. Yeah. Guys, remember when we played Liverpool a couple of weeks back? We right. were expecting to get rolled over, right? Right, right. And and it didn't turn out that way. And I was actually yeah. very impressed by our second half performance. Um, yeah, we should have won. We could have won that game. Could have won it had we taken our chances. Yeah. So yeah. I think you know, um, maybe it's, it comes down to the players. Maybe it's against some of the bigger teams, so-called bigger teams, because I've made that point earlier that there are no easy games. Right. Perhaps against some of the bigger, so-called bigger teams, the players are mentally for it. And if they are, if they go into this city game with that right mentality and up for a fight, I think we could do a number on them. Well, you know, a point, not a win. But um, yeah. you know, I'm I'm not afraid. Having seen that Liverpool, and I, I I for one definitely was not expecting us to um, to play like that. I thought it'd be at least four five nil to Liverpool because we were not high on confidence at that time. But we we really gave them a fight. And don't forget, it's at home. So you know, with the fans right behind them, uh, it's on Sunday. <clears throat> um, should be a good game. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Again, I'm I'm going to be realistic. I'd be happy with a draw. But I think we could sneak a win there. Yeah, we have we have the players too. I mean, we know how to get Man <laughs> City uh, cooked up. So yeah. that's um, I really want us to win that match um, because it is it, it we really need to like catch Chelsea. I think because I've never seen a top four race like this. You yeah. know, let me just uh, show the, the points. So it's like Leicester have forty-eight points, Chelsea have forty points, Man United and Tottenham and Wolves are all on thirty-four points, but they're fifth, sixth, and seventh. And Chelsea, I think they that is one fraud team. They they uh, they have just they've lost eight games just like us. It's just that they have uh, no. How do we? How have they lost? Okay, whatever. So. They when Chelsea played us, Chelsea. when Chelsea played us, they had come to White Hart Lane after having lost to Southampton at home, after right. having lost a... to Bournemouth at home. True. They were on a really, and they, they somehow turned it four up. Game, four game losing streak. Yeah, it's less yeah. when and then it's a derby. I guess form goes out the window. Yeah. So that that is what happened in that match. I guess I wish we were more up for uh, we were as up for the game as Chelsea. Chelsea had a point to prove, right? They were on a four game losing streak. My God, that game Tottenham. we were outplayed right from the exactly. start. So we Chelsea were just, were just on a different planet. Yeah. So I've seen that also from our side. Also, I've seen it like uh, North London derbies and all that. Um, yeah. especially at White Hart Lane, uh, like Arsenal would just be blown out of the way. Uh, yeah. like just uh. Like I think I remember the there was a one nil that we had. Um, I think it was the last uh, North London. No, no, not the last one. But the one where Harry Kane scored a header. Ben Davis put in an awesome cross. 
and like he hurricane jumped from like near the penalty circle and just headed it in yeah. so that game it was like that that game we were just up for it and arsenal just couldn't handle us and that's what happened to us against chelsea so i hope we get that same enthusiasm into the game against man city because i mean we have to beat them too i think some the players must have talked amongst themselves after that chelsea game because i think that was a turning point we um I distinctly remember the final whistle went and Delhi Ali did not, he just went straight down the tunnel. He did not shake hands with anybody, just went straight mm-hmm. down the tunnel. He was so pissed off because of, well, obviously with, with not just his own performance, the whole team, we did not turn up at all. We got embarrassed at home. And that he knew that that was a crucial game. Had we won, I mean, even looking at the team, that one game would have made the, we would have been level on points at 37 points with Chelsea sitting oh. in fourth. I don't, what's the goal difference between us and Chelsea? Uh, Chelsea have nine, we have six. So take one off. Okay, so they would have still been up seven um, had we drawn. Um, so hang on, what was the score in that game? Two nil. Two nil, yeah. Two nil. Oh, so yeah, had we to so take two off, uh, it would have been level on points as well. Yeah, it was a proper six pointer. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like. It looks like we're getting another chance to get into the top four. So hopefully this time we take it. Uh, Anirvan, what do you expect? What are your expectations from uh, the game against uh, uh, Man City? What I hope is that we will switch on to a very aggressive display. Uh, one thing that I have noted is that when teams try to do a uh, a counter press or a gegen press, as Klopp calls it, Man City actually is very vulnerable, and uh, and 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 I hope we will do that. But I think in reality, what will happen is Mourinho will sit deep and try to hit on the counter. If Man City scores uh, an early goal, uh, you know that strategy will unravel, and then anything can happen. But uh, obviously, we start as the underdogs. There's there's no questions about it. Yeah. But what I do hope is that somehow, you know, call it a little bit of Mourinho magic and a, a need for himself to prove himself against the best in the world, against his old rival, uh, Pep uh, Guardiola. I mean, he, he was signed by Manchester United as a counter to Pep Guardiola, right? So somewhere yeah. in his mind, Mourinho would still be benchmarking himself against City and Pep, and he would want to do well. Uh, and 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 maybe the team will get fired. The team will get inspired. Uh, maybe we will get just one signing in in the next uh, before before Man City. Of course, it it may be too early for that new player to get integrated. Uh, and I'm talking striker here, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but who knows? I mean, I mean, if we can just uh, you know nick those one or two goals in and 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 keep city down to one goal max if not a goalless one uh with our uh, crowds backing us with all the terrific noise that sal talked about if we can just get ourselves inspired to do that then you know that that can act as an inflection point for us for the rest of the season top 4 is a very clear reality for us uh it's right. a possibility uh, it can happen still this season. It's not a write-off like many people seem to think. But if we can pull it off on City, and we have in the past, 
if he can pull it off on uh, pull it off uh, and a win against city uh, you know it can just reignite our our entire trajectory and 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 you know who knows what rub off it will have on the fa cup on the match against uh, leipzig uh, it, it 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 could go in a very positive direction but this is just me doing my own little fantasy in my head okay I, okay, I guess so that we all agree with. <laughs> yeah, glad to see we all would like to see in reality. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we start as the underdogs. There's no questions about yeah. it. I yeah. think we'll be happy with a draw. Uh, if he can win, that's fantastic. I I dare say that even if we lose by a goal or so and give a good account of ourselves like we did against Liverpool, uh, I would say at least half the Spurs fans will be pleased with that uh, that's the reality but but if he can win wow yeah and this is actually the starting of a very heavy run of fixtures for us so we're playing man city at home then aston villa then leipzig then chelsea then wolves then burnley then leipzig again then united then united and then west ham so it's like no easy games so it's time to Mourinho said we'll be hitting form in january january is almost over bro it's time to hit form <laughs> that's it and so yeah i guess that is the end of our podcast we have been going on for i think more than 2 hours now as right. uh, <laughs> but yeah fun fun um we did not get any questions from our wonderful listeners <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um okay so uh, pratik where can we find you on the internet uh you can find me on instagram my handle is flashothor or you can find me on linkedin nice uh sal where can we find you on the internet um on instagram twitter my handle is at @blr_boss underscore boss. Yes, boss and um anirvan where can we find you on the internet you can find me on twitter my handle is at ambo anirvan so you can find me there and uh, uh my and i am your host unni and my twitter handle is at uniesta u n n i e s t a so uh thank you guys so much for listening um if you uh, like can you like at least like if you could let us know whether the what you think about the timing and all that if you if you're okay with listening to us yak on for two hours then that would be awesome or <laughs> also um do let us know if there are anything any topics you want to you want us to cover during the podcast you can reach out to us we have our own um uh, we have we are on instagram and twitter at whiteheart radio or you can also reach out to at bangalore spurs and uh, we will make sure to um you know talk about it so uh yeah once again thank you for listening and uh, come on you spurs yeah. come on, on you spurs yeah. Yeah. get on me <laughs> <laughs> nice nice